that we can spend more time in worship a little bit later. I'm going to bring you uh, into a teaching in the next two weeks here on the book of Haggai. Not haggis, Haggai. I don't know if you've ever eaten haggis. But anyways, if there's any classes, you're dismissed. Uh, we're going to go look at the book of Haggai. So find, find the book of Haggai. He's a minor prophet, and um, it's only two chapters, very brief. And the book of Haggai was written, it's right before Zechariah, because these two prophets were of the same time period. And so Old Testament, minor prophets, right next to Zechariah. We're getting there close, close to it. Anybody finding it? Okay. Um, page 1010 in my Bible. So we're going to look at the book of Haggai, and I think it's a book that's really an important message to the church in this day and age. Because it's all about Israel going back to their promised land and rebuilding the temple. Let me give you some background here. Israel was scattered by God. God divorced Israel. These ten northern tribes were scattered by Assyria. All that was left was Judah. And Judah was still unfaithful to God. And the number one reason was they would not keep the Sabbaths. And so God brought Babylon in and took Judah out of their land, out of the promised land, for 70 years. Seven, seven, 70 years, okay? Um, that's not seven, 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 sevens is 49. But anyways, they were exiled for 70 years based on their uh, problem with not keeping the Sabbath. All right, so then after the 70 years, they are by Cyrus's decree, allowed to go back into Jerusalem and rebuild. So the people who were chosen of God were taken out of their land and then, you know, kind of punished, right? Sent to their room. Only uh, It was in a different house. And after they were punished, they were returned back to the land. Now, not everybody went back, but a number of them went back to Jerusalem, and it was their job to rebuild the the, uh, the society, the city, rebuild the temple, rebuild the walls, okay? So a group of them went back, and they began to rebuild the temple, but they stopped. They were discouraged by the enemy around them, and they were just kind of weary from it all, so they w- really worked on building their own homes and their own houses. And so the prophet Haggai comes in and gives a word of the Lord. The book is two chapters long. It's four messages from God. And again, like I said, if we break this down, I think it's a message to the American church that we need to put God first. First things first. That's what this book is about. Say it with me. First things first. What's the first commandment of God? Yeah. Amen. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. We'll add every, everything you got. Love God first. And so first things first. And so you would think that the people in covenant with God who were punished and exiled for neglecting God, now being sent back home to Jerusalem, would obey God. And the first thing they do is forget God. And they worry about themselves. Now, that's pretty typical of mankind, isn't it? 
And we have experiences in God. We get saved. We have God answer prayers. We have God minister to us. And then in the next week, we're back to ourselves many times. And so we have to keep first things first. So if you will, let's look at Haggai and uh, begin in chapter 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. So, God is saying, I I hear what you're saying down there, and my people are saying, it's not time to build the house of the Lord. But yet, you have time to build your houses. And so God's saying, we need to get things right. You need to examine yourselves. And so he says, let's put first things first. And he proves it by saying in his first point here, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Now, this is the first thing God does when you got saved. You had to consider your ways and come to a knowledge that I'm a sinner. I have separated myself from God. I am living in sin and for myself first. You have to consider your ways. All right? Many times we've taken this gospel and we've uh, put sugar on it and and chocolate all over it and and said, this is really good for you. It tastes good. and, And you don't have to change your life. Just add Jesus to it. And people put Jesus in their back pocket and say, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. That's great and keep living their life. But God says, you need to consider your ways. And the first thing to consider is Christ on that cross. And it's an offense to everybody to realize He died for me. And so we must consider our ways. Every one of us has been broken by God, haven't you? I hope you have. We all need to be broken in our sin by God. To realize, I've got to reconsider my ways. I've not been putting God first. And I can't without Him in me. And so he says, consider your ways. You guys have paneling in your houses, and I don't even have a house yet. That's what he's saying. And isn't it interesting, it almost mirrors the, the problem he had with the church in Laodicea, doesn't it? Because Laodicea was very wealthy, had a big grand church. They were doing really, really well. And God says, you, you are naked, blind, and poor. They had all the provision for their house of worship, but not for the Lord. And here, Israel went back to the promised land, and you would think the first thing they need to do is establish the temple. Why? In the Old Testament, what did the temple represent? The presence of God. So what do you want to secure first in the midst of all your enemies and unto the Lord is His presence. God, come dwell here. Amen? 
And so we want God in our presence. We want God in our midst. And so we have to put first things first and consider our ways. And he goes in and he he says, listen, consider your ways. I want you to think about this for a minute. You sow a lot of seed into the ground, but you don't harvest much. You eat, but you never get enough of your fill. You drink, you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but you're still cold. You're not warm. And you earn wages and money and you put it in a bag with holes in it. You can't keep your finances. That's a problem. Anybody have that problem? I think my pockets have holes in them. There's a couple things that, that, that he's saying here. Number one, you can't satisfy the flesh. You want, you want to get enough food, you can never get enough food. You want to get enough drink, you can never get enough. You can never satisfy yourself. You have this much money, you always want more. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? Uh, it's Christmas, you all got a bunch of new presents, and now you're already get sh- out shopping to look at what else you can get. That's who we are. And we put things in front of God. The second thing is, is he says, if you would put me first, you would be satisfied with what you have. Paul said he knew the secret of contentment. That he could do all things through Christ who strengthens him. He knows how to be satisfied and content with having much or having nothing at all. Being fully clothed or being naked. Being warm or being cold. I, I, he said, I found the secret. My satisfaction is in God. He put Christ first. And so what happens is the Lord's saying, if you don't put me first, then you're not going to reap the blessings of me in your life first. Does that make sense to you? It's really simple. And and he uses the term of sowing and reaping, which is the law of reciprocity, the idea that if you pour into one thing, from that thing you'll reap back. And so he's saying, you're pouring into the ground, but you're not getting much back. How much are you pouring into me? Use the same principle. You pour little into me, you ain't getting much back. Because you're not investing your life in me. And I think the American church is feeling this. We have been on a prosperity binge for the last you know, 80 years, 50, 60 years. And we've been building and wonderful prospering and claiming all the promises, but where's, been, where's the Lord in all of this? And, and what we've been realizing is though I've got a car and I've got a house and I've got food and I've got money, I'm a little bit miserable. Things are not going as good. I'm not as happy as I should be. And God's saying we need to put God first. And he says this, verse 7, again, thus says the Lord, consider your ways. It's the second time he said it. When God repeats himself, we need to listen. Consider your ways, consider your ways. How many of you know that's what prayer is about? It's an introspection. It's an evaluation. You lay yourself before God and say, God, what's going on in me? Because we have blind spots. How many of you know we have blind spots? We have blinders. And so we need God's help. Consider your ways. He says, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house, it lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, 
on the grain and on the new wine, the oil, and on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and all their labors. Why did God do that? That seems rather rude, God. It's called tough love. It's called wake up, people. God promised in the book of Deuteronomy that if someone, well, if Israel does not obey the Lord, he will bring a drought to the land. That's why Elijah was able to pray for a drought for three years, and it came because Israel was serving Baal. He was simply praying the law of God. And when they then turned to God away from Baal, what came? The rain. Why? What impact does it have? It's an agricultural community. It's an agricultural people. And so if you stop the rain, you stop the crops. And if you stop the crops and the rain, you kill the cattle. And so they got to pray to God to survive. And there are times when God has to shut the water off of the fountains of blessing so that we would turn to Him. And He's saying, if you will keep me first, then your fields will be full and your cattle will be good and your food will be good because you've put first things first. And when He said this, and He's saying it to all of us that we have to evaluate, He says... My house lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. So we can ask that of our own temple, our own temple of the Holy Spirit. Is is your temple strong? Is it well built on the Word of God? Is it well watered in the Spirit of God? Or have you been busying yourselves? Have we been busying ourselves? Has American Christianity been busying itself with our house, our interests, our interests versus the house of God that abides in us? That's a good question, isn't it? it one, it's, it's one that should drive us to our knees and say, I need to consider my ways. Now, I, I, I hope God and I believe God's bringing this to the church in America. I believe with all my heart there is going to be a shift and a move spiritually in this country that is going to be awesome. It is coming. Like that little cloud was just a fist when Elijah said the rains are coming and the storms came. I believe that if you would look spiritually on the horizon, there's a small cloud about the size of a fist that is bringing the refreshing rains of a church that will turn back to God. And I believe that it starts with you and I. It starts with us that we would inspect and consider our ways. Have I been spending too much time on my concerns and not his? And let me tell you, his concerns are great. His concerns are love, peace, joy, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, goodness, the very fruit of his nature. Man, who doesn't want that good stuff? but we replace it with artificial flavoring. Don't we? And all sorts of sugar. Now, he goes on, and, and, you, and I love to see this with Israel because again, remember, they just got out of captivity for 70 years. They go back and immediately they fail. But what's, there's one difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament with those who follow God. What is it? We have an indwelling Holy Spirit. God dwells in us. 
See, the Old Testament people did not have the Spirit of God in them. They had, the only thing they had was their best effort. How's that work for us? <laughs> so, you know, when, when they got back, if, if there's not a priesthood telling them, come on, folks, let's go, if, if there's not a prophet saying, thus saith the Lord, guess what people will do if they don't have the Spirit prompting them? They'll forget. They'll do their thing. So you can see that as a problem in the Old Testament, but there ain't no excuse in the New. God convicts us immediately. God is here right now. The prophet Haggai's here. Prophet Ezekiel's here. Prophet Jeremiah is here. Because what is the inspiration of every one of those prophets? The Spirit of God. Now that Spirit dwells in us. How many of you know that? Immediately you get a check in your spirit, right? Immediately the Holy Spirit says. And if it's not immediately, give it an hour or two and it goes, really? And we get checked. And we get brought back to that place. So, so I love to see what the response was. Look at verse 12. And the verse... The response is obedience. Then Zerubbabel, the son of that guy, and Joshua, the son of the other guy, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? They heard the word of the Lord and obeyed. With us having that word in us at all times, I hope we're so much quicker to obey. Sometimes it takes a while, but God has his way. He might dry up whatever you're working on to get you to look to him. But he does this so that we'll be drawn to him. And so they obeyed because they feared the Lord. Now the word feared the Lord is not like, oh no, he's going to kill us, he hates us. The fear of the Lord is they reverenced God. They recognize, woe is me. How could I have taken care of me before having the presence of God abide with us? It's one of those V8 moments. <clears throat> you hit yourself in the head. How, could I, well, how foolish could I have been? The, have you ever entered into something without prayer? Did you ever try to accomplish something without asking God? And it's like, what am I thinking? Right? And so they revered God and they realized we must have God's presence in this thing. Now the amazing thing, folks, that they wish they had is what you have. The presence of God abides with us always. Always. And so if if we have the presence of God abiding with us always, how could we neglect such a great salvation, the writer of Hebrews says? How can we neglect it? It's right here. This love, all his nature. So the response is obedience. So number one is consider your ways. Number two is to respond with obedience. Why? Because of reverence to God. Verse 13, Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, I am with you. Who wants to hear that? Man, how many of you need that assurance? I'm with you. What did Jesus say to us? I am with you always, even to the end of this age, right? I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is here. I am with you. 
Now because of the blood of Jesus, He bought us, He dwells in us, He abides in us and seals us, and He is with you. And so that presence abides with us, it's here, and so we cannot neglect it. We must remember we are vessels of honor, we carry the presence of God. And so we need to obey Him so that His glory will bring benefit. Verse 14, uh, yeah, verse 14. 14, and the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of that guy, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of the other guy, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. I like that. After obedience came what? A stirring. A stirring of the spirit. A stirring of the spirit. In other words, they rallied. They rallied. There's nothing like that in the people of God. When we come together, when you begin to obey God, when you begin to honor His presence and His abiding presence, and you begin to honor His glory, and something gets stirred up. Have you ever been stirred up by God? I hope you're stirred up all the time. I hope something stirs you when you read the Word. You're stirred up. You're confident. you got a word from the Lord. I am with you always. I am with you. And you get stirred up because of that. And that creates a response. So the order is this. Consider your ways. Become obedient. God gives you promises that I'm with you. And because of that, you get stirred up. Now, doesn't that sound like a good equation for us today? Yeah. We need this. We need this. And so he stirred them up in the Spirit. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, and in the second year of Darius the king. He marks it down on the calendar. You can bank on this thing. So don't you love it? The word of the Lord came to the people. He wrote down the day it came to the people. God said, you need to inspect yourselves. You need to consider your ways. They fell on their face. They got right with God. They considered themselves. They began to pray. God told them what to consider. Consider your situation. Now, how many of us are struggling in our situation? Let's consider our ways. I've got no peace. I've got no joy. Well, let's consider why. Could it be that we've not uh, honored God's presence We've been paying more attention to ourselves than God. And I can speak this over the American church for sure. For sure. That the reason we've lost our our influence in this nation and the reason many souls are not coming to the Lord and the reason this is called a post-Christian country is because we've been considering ourselves instead of the presence of God in our midst. So, we know what to do according to the prophet Haggai. We need to consider our ways. And what we need to do is basically repent. Consider our ways. Repent. Turn from ourselves. Turn from putting the paneling in our house. Turn from spending the money on another thing and begin to pour into the kingdom of God. Become obedient to build what? The kingdom of God. That's what Christ came and called us and commissioned us to do. How many of you know that you're employed by the Lord Jesus Christ right now? You're employed. You've got a job to do. I've got a job to do. We have a commission here from the King of Kings. And we've, we've paused, many of us, to take care of ourselves. Well, of course, God, you don't have to worry about taking care of yourselves. He said, if you would seek me first, 
All these other things will be added. I'll take care of you. You don't have to worry about these things and worry about tomorrow and figure out what you're going to eat and where and all this. Right? Sermon on the Mount. So put the first things first. Put God first. Consider your ways and become obedient. And in obedience, you will then hear God's favor and God's favor will stir you up with strength and power. And that's what we're looking for. Now, last of all, he encourages them. And he says this in chapter 2. In the seventh month of the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of that guy, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of the other guy, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you saw this house in its former glory. How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Zedekiah, the high priest. Be strong, all of you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when I brought you out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in and I will fill the house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Man! God always does that. This is a loving Father. Sometimes He's got to spank you so that you'll get it right, follow His ways, and you'll find the benefit of following after Him and the rich reward. And so, as a good Father, He came. He said, wake up, people. Man, you've neglected My presence. You've shut the door on Me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Laodicea. I want to come in. And, he, and, and what I love with this is he says, once they did and they began to obey, he promised, I'm with you always. They got stirred up. They began to do the work. They did the work, but then they got discouraged again. They got discouraged because they're going like, oh man, some of the older people, I remember the house of God. I remember Solomon's temple. It was glorious. It was grand when the sun would rise on Solomon's temple. It, was, you, it would reflect all the gold and the, the white marble and, and all of it was glorious. And look at this wooden thing we built now. Kind of discouraged. You ever get discouraged with yourself? You ever get discouraged with your temple? How well you're doing with your faith? It's like, oh, yeah. You ever compare yourself to other people? Ah, we all do, right? Look at that guy and go, oh, man. How come God doesn't use me like that guy? And I was like, oh, no wonder he doesn't. I'm such a loser. Anybody ever go through that? Or am I the only guy? Okay, okay. We all do it. We look at the house and we go, oh, man. But what God says is, I'm going to make this house greater in glory than the former house. He doesn't care if it's made out of wood, mud, or anything else. He said, I'm going to bring in the nation." Ultimately, the greatest house of all was the coming of his son, Jesus Christ. His glory came in flesh and dwelt among us. Come on. Any marble, any stone, any gold, nothing can compare to the presence of God's glory in Christ Jesus. 
And then the greater glory that Christ came to bring was to cleanse us from sin so that the Holy Spirit could dwell in us, now the temple of God. That's glorious and more glorious than gold and riches in God's eyes. So don't give up, people. And so I love this. What he says to them, and he's saying to us in this hour, he says to us, don't get discouraged. You know what? We're, we're looking at ourselves. Look, it's a Wednesday night. How many people in this city? And we got about 80 people here. Oh, man. Now, don't get discouraged about that. You don't, don't worry about that. He, don't count the numbers with God. He doesn't care about the numbers. He cares about you. And he cares about using you and multiplying. He says, look at, be strong. Be strong. Be strong. He encourages them and he says this, be strong. Be strong, all you people. Be strong, Zerubbabel, you leaders. Be strong, Joshua, you priests. Be strong. And he says this, work. Get back to work. I'll be honest with you quite honest with you. After ministering and after pouring out and, and, and really trying to reach and break through in this community and raise up a people for the kingdom of God and it's laborsome and after a while it's like, ah, forget it. Really? You're like, ah, oh, forget it. But then the word of the Lord comes back and He says, be strong, be strong, be strong. Work, work. You know what? We're not to keep our eyes on what the response is. We're to keep our eyes on Him. Be faithful to Him in all that you do. He says, I can turn this thing into glory in a minute, in an instant. I own all the cattle on a thousand hills. I own all the silver. I own all the gold. Don't worry about that. But I want my people desiring my presence in their midst. So we may not have all the flashing lights and the big crowds and everything else that's glorious and grand, but if we as a people would only want the presence of God in this house, we've got something greater than gold and buildings. The presence of God. So he says, be strong. Get to work. Get to work. And then he says, after he says, get to work, he says, work, so I, for I am with you. I made covenant with you. My spirit remains with you, so fear not. Get to work, fear not, and then he goes on to say, and the glory will come. And when that glory comes, he says, peace will abide. The ultimate definition of peace in Hebrew is shalom. Shalom. And the concept of shalom is an ordered life. See, you have peace when your house is in order. Right? You got your bills paid. Hmm? And you got the house in order. You got food in the cabinet. You got things right. And who's first? God is first. The house is in order, and you have peace. When you have peace, you have rest. When you have rest, you have health and well-being. And so this message of Haggai, specifically to Israel to rebuild the temple, is really a lesson for all of God's people to put first things first. Get God right. Put God first. Desire Him and His presence in you. 
above all other things. Consider, consider yourselves and what's been taking you away from God. Once you do that, become obedient to the things of God and He will begin to speak prophetically over you. I'm with you. Be strong. Keep working. I'll bring peace to you. Don't be afraid. Get this thing done. And they did. And they did. So let's bow our heads now and let's pray. Let's ask Jesus to help us build our temple for him.